This is the Canna Curio Podcast by Cannabis Media, your source for cannabis and hemp license updates directly from the data vault. Don't forget to subscribe to the Cannabis Media newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay informed of future episodes and data releases. Welcome to the Canna Curio Podcast, powered by Cannabis Media. We're your hosts, Amanda Guerrero and Ed Keating. On today's show, we're joined by Brian Lopez, CEO of Brightmap, and Scott Denholm, the Chief Operating Officer. We're very excited to have them join us on the sh- today's show. But as always, before we jump in with our guests, let's check in and see what news Ed has learned this week from the Data Vault. Ed? Hi, Amanda. Um, as we've seen the last couple of weeks, there's a lot going on in the world of hemp. Uh, a lot of these programs have now issued all their licenses, or at least the ones that are issuing them on an annual basis. And we just recently added in 755 or so hemp licenses for the state, along with 675 people as well. So if you're trying to reach them, we've got that information as well. There are three different license types in the state, and uh, it includes growers, processors, and testers. And what we saw in looking at the data was not a lot of vertical integration. So you didn't get too many people stacking up multiple licenses. What we did see is that 81% of the licenses are cultivators. And that's really consistent with what we see across hemp programs nationally, that they tend to be very grow heavy. Um, We also noticed that the CBD consumables are going to be handled by another regulator. Once again, that's pretty consistent too, as CBD becomes more into the mainstream. Most states are realizing they don't need a whole agency to regulate that. So it often comes under, you know, Department of Health or people regulate food, etc. And the one, one of the most interesting things that I saw in, in all the regs I looked at for Texas is that the state will compile a list of banned producers if they're bad actors. So if they do three naughty things over the course of a couple of years, they will get on the list. So uh, I'll, I'll be looking forward to, to finding that list uh, um, from the regulator at some point uh, in the future. Wow, that's interesting to note about uh, Texas not having a lot of vertical integration. Uh, it's pretty um, a different story than some of the other hemp markets that we've we've covered. Um, but looking ahead, Ed, you know, regarding the CBD consumables, do you think we're going to see a similar license trend to what we saw in Louisiana or Florida uh, regarding uh, convenience stores listed as, as licensed retailers for hemp CBD? Uh, it's a good question. We we've actually got uh, one of the attorneys on the team taking a look at that. And other states, too, because it just makes a lot of sense, I think, from a, a regulatory standpoint and sort of from a government standing standpoint. As I said before, who wants to create a whole nother regulator just for one product type? And as I've said before on the pod, a lot of these uh, companies who get these licenses, uh, often convenience stores, grocery stores, etc., are already really good at handling highly regulated products like tobacco, lottery tickets, alcohol, gasoline, you know, all these things that are heavily taxed and regulated. So I think CBD fits right in there. So my guess is we're going to see more of that and, and you know, time will, uh, time will certainly tell. Um, the other thing that we've been looking at are Florida violations. So we did a request from the regulator and uh, they finally got back to us. And it's been pretty interesting to dig through those. A lot of specificity, I guess, as there should be if you're getting a a violation thrown against you. But one that I had read about in another article and and actually saw the document was MedMen getting um, 
fined $15,000 for changing uh, window tints. Um, and uh, then Knox Medical uh, getting letters from the state because apparently their delivery trucks were carrying some sort of advertising and they hadn't had that approved ahead of time. And then Three Boys Farm, one plant also got the window tint um, violation. So definitely uh, some interesting stories there that I'll be digging into and doing a blog post on for next week. Ooh, I can't wait to read uh, more about the blog post. Uh, just out of curiosity, did you notice any other uh, trends in the violations? Seems like the window tints were, were giving people some trouble. Um, you know what? In that state, that seemed to be a big one. There's actually a third company that also had that. But in trying to look of what we see in other states, they're really all over the map. A lot of times it's how people handle the product and you know put it in places they're not supposed to. Somebody did get in trouble in Florida for uh, how they stored flour um, or how they manage their manifest. So I think those kind of administrative things are probably more consistent across states, whereas the signage and the window tints, you know, there are a lot of rules on that. Uh, I know that here in the state of Connecticut, they came up with a 15 page document on all the rules and regs you needed just for how you advertise. You know, can you have neon signs? Can the signs be illuminated? Can they be illuminated after dark to what hour? So I think there's a lot of that that happens in this space across the country, but it's it can be hard to get this information and, and write about it. Well, I look forward to digging into the violations with you and the data team uh, with uh, your, your, your new publication. So thanks so much, Ed. Today, we're joined with Brian Lopez and Scott Denham of BrightMap. Both are veterans within the industry, and we are so excited to have them on the show. Brian is the current CEO of BrightMaps, and Scott is the COO. Welcome, you two. How are you both doing? Doing well. Thank you. Doing well. Thank you for uh, having us on today, Amanda. It's our pleasure. We're, we're so excited uh, to have the, the Bright Map team uh, on with us. Uh, not only are you guys industry veterans, but also uh, have been cannabis media subscribers and one of our power users. So I'm hoping you could tell us, you know, as the two leaders of the company, what makes you unique and, and you know, what makes Bright Map um, the, the great solution that it is for the industry? Well, I think the thing that we're really excited about in, in terms of where BrightMap is heading is that the, the software and the solutions that uh, we are coming up with, and I feel like we're on such a, a, a real accelerated pace of innovation right now. And, and we're actually able to do that because of, of the luxury of having um, new software code to work with. Um, hmm. A lot of, the, hmm. a lot of the, the, the things that we've incorporated are some of the newer technologies out there. So we're able to really pivot to some new concepts rather quickly. Um, and and to, to be able to have something like that, I believe, you know, when you're dealing with something that is more, you know, modern and circa 2020 versus, you know, potentially something in, in the uh, earlier 20, uh, you know, 2013 or, or, or less, um, there were some limitations just in, from a technology standpoint of what, what, what could be possible. Um, we're really excited about the fact that you know we're coming to the market uh, with some really innovative products that are, are designed to not just address uh, one point solution or another. What we're trying to do, and it's a very ambitious lift, is to look at the industry and, and especially the retailers and, and processors and dispensary are, uh, and growers and try to encapsulate 
all the things that go on in a business's day in the life of and be able to address each of those needs within our software platform. Um, that's a very grand, uh, somewhat monolithic vision, uh, but it's also something that from a support standpoint, I think becomes a very, very important thing to have. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, one way to describe that in other industries I've been in is trying to create an end-to-end -end workflow solution so that if you're in a grow or manufacturing or in a dispensary, you're really able to do all the tasks you need to do within Brightmap. Is that kind of what your vision is? That's an accurate statement, Ed. Um, and and we're, we're really excited because we've got the, the greener platform uh, out on the market that is designed to do exactly what you just described, which is to take a lot of those disparate uh, tools that a lot of dispensaries are, are spending um, money on every month and you know, having to deal with the different uh, support calls to make, uh, potentially finger pointing and things like that, we're trying to bring it all under one umbrella so that the user who is very, very focused on promoting their business, driving more transactions, engaging their customers, can spend more time doing that as opposed to dealing with technical support issues across multiple platforms. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, one of the things that I wanted to touch on today, and it also goes back to what Amanda and I were talking about earlier, are violations and compliance data. And, and I think as you have gone out to the marketplace, you've highlighted to potential customers, hey, you don't want to wind up in a situation where you're not compliant with metric or, or other things like that. So I'm curious, you know, how is that working for your customer? How is that messaging working? And you know, how does your product help keep your customers out of harm's way? Okay, well, um, it's just in terms of metric right now. Obviously, we, my, my partner, Scott, who spent the latter part of 10 years with metric and, and, and building that, uh, that solution up to what it is today, um, where there's a couple of different things that we're doing, right? With, and I'll start with, with Scout, because I think Scout is the first uh, product that's really going to be there and is there now for users to, to take advantage of, but it's designed to handle one fundamental requirement for growers, processes, and dispensary, which is I have tags. I need to make sure that the tags, whether they're on a plant or on a package, are reflected properly within metric. Right? I've got to have inventory that matches on my side of the world, but also in, in the state regulatory side of the world. Um, now, that is the basic need that a lot of the operators need right now. And what we're doing is, is leveraging the power of RFID to do that, um, which is wonderful because now we can actually talk to our operators and say, look, the, the investment that you've made in these 45 cent tags or whatever they're gonna run can actually get something out of it now and it's really one of the first times that uh, a company's been actually able to take advantage of that so it's starting off with that one fundamental need help me solve my metric dilemmas if there mm -hmm. are dilemmas um, and then you know as we move that through to the retail platform like I mentioned with greener um, greener has got to be able to make uh, to ensure compliance uh, but also we we're making some attempts and, and we're, we're being successful with it uh, in, in allowing some of our states uh, or some of our users in the states to be able to pull some of that metric data into the actual point of sale system that allows for 
uh, patient counselors or bud tenders to see what a, a patient's allocation is in real time, um, wow. which provides just that greater level of visibility, that greater level of oversight, which keeps operators out of trouble, out of the harm's way, as you had mentioned. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, in terms of you know really helping those folks, especially getting real time data, which you know we know in our business at Cannabis Media is is super important. Now, one of the questions I wanted to throw over to Scott has to do with entering new markets, and, and I don't mean it from necessarily a sales standpoint, but you know as the company is trying to figure out where do we go next. If you go into a new state, it's my understanding that, okay, there's a whole new set of business rules that are going to have to get uh, ingested by by Brightmap. So, Scott, I wonder if you could walk us through what that approach is like from, from the COO perspective. You know, it's a great question, and I appreciate that. It's, it's really understanding what the rules and regulations are going to be like, right? I mean, you know, the wonderful thing about being on this side of the industry is if you look at the state's rules and regulations and what they've published, um, and then look at similarities to states that they want to emulate, you can actually get a good idea of how to anticipate your customer's needs, right? I mean, at the, ultimately, at the end of the day, um, successful companies are good at meeting their customer's needs and anticipating what they want. And being on this side of the fence where you actually can look at what the state's requirements are legally, um, like, for instance, in Maryland, we have COMA, you know, the Code of Maryland Regulations tells you exactly what the state is expecting and what they want and what they anticipate um, their licensees are going to do. And that gives us a roadmap and tells us, you know, what do we need to do with our software, understanding what the regulatory side is. So when we look at a new state, we can actually just look up um, and, and take an advanced look and say, this is where the state's going. And say, hey, they're comparing them to other states and we can see where they're going to head. So it's really about, you know, public compliance, public safety, and helping our customers be in compliance with where the state's Sort of from the business side, you know, how do you make the determination as to where to go? You know, I've been looking a lot at who connects to metric and in what states and, and Brightmap connects really broadly uh, across the United States, which I think is great because I know if I were choosing a software provider, I'd want somebody who's into a couple rodeos and knows the rules and regs across the country. So, you know, how do you decide like, boy, we really need to get into Missouri or, you know, whatever that next state is? Well, for right now, we're a, we're a, we're a small company. Um, we are, we're, we're, we're growing our company at a, hopefully what is deemed to be a responsible, uh, at a responsible rate. Um, I don't want to be uh, too ahead of my, over my skis in terms of getting into a, a market that we can't support. Um, so right now, what we're really focused on are the states primarily that use metric. Uh, hopefully, for any listeners out there that doesn't discourage because there's some other things we have coming down the pike. But look, I, I think where we add the most value right now and where we need to focus our, our, our energies will be in those states that are relatively new to metric um, and relatively mm. new to mm. having medical programs. Um, you know, recreational programs as well. So, you know, we've got a short list of states that we, we really think hold a tremendous amount of potential. And I feel like what we can do is really, um, you know, look at some of these states and, and primarily those emerging market states are on the East Coast or, you know, east of the Mississippi River. Um, 
there's heavy populations, and I think that that's really where, right now, knowing what we have available to people and how our deliverable comes out and the methodology on how we support our customers in terms of an initial implementation really lends itself to some of these states that have new independent operators that are really interested in trying to get themselves to a place where they can conduct business without having to juggle a lot of those different technologies like I had mentioned earlier. So, you know, for us, yes, emerging market states, ones that use metric, primarily focused in the East and the Midwest. That makes sense. And, you know, to try and uh, help me understand and, and, you know, put you guys in, in the right frame, you know, how do you describe yourself to these uh, potential license holders, you know, because it seems you've gone way beyond being a, a point of sale solutions provider. You know, it, 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 to me, it seems like, you know, almost a, a seed to sale provider. Is, is that right? Or, or how do you describe yourself to, uh, to, to potential customers? I, I, I portray us and I, I really try to sell the, the idea that we are a, a high, a high grade enterprise solution for dispensaries, processors and and and, and mm. all the way back to growers mm. now um, we have a lot of products on the roadmap and, and things that haven't even been released to the market yet eventually we will put all the pieces together for that big seed to sale uh, platform and you know we we don't have that yet but we're we're putting those pieces together so I, I really want to use that that opportunity to get a foothold in the door with our growers and processors with Scout because Scout provides immediate value regardless of what other seed to sale uh, solution that they be, may be running. Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, they can still continue to run it. Our, our device is a mobile-based platform mm -hmm. that is, as I said, as it's there to design, a, a, it's there for a, a point solution that is there to help with regulatory and compliance. But the long, broad vision, Ed, is that what we just did with greener in the dispensary is exactly what we're going to do with the growers and the processors, which is to bring in that very broad platform. We really are focused on checking off the fundamental boxes of, of compliance first and foremost. And it's the one thing that Scott um, told me that we would do uh, upon his arrival to BrightMap, which was if we're going to do anything first, it's going to be to feed the beast, the beast being metric. Okay. Once we can do that, then we can get into some of the other business processes, uh, some of the analytics data that we'd like to go after. But I think we all know that a lot of this takes time and it takes a lot of money to get to this point. Um, and and we're, we're trying to, to, to pick off the, the, the quick wins and the, and the things that we believe are going to matter most to people. No, that sounds like a great formula. As somebody who's done a lot of um, workflow software, some of the rules that I remember we tried to focus on were you want to automate things that are repetitive in nature that also have a high risk of noncompliance. And in this case, you certainly don't want your customers to lose a license, something of high value because they, they didn't do it right. And then, you know, thirdly, you tend to want to have some sort of uh, rule base that you can check and make sure is right. And then fourth, you're probably going to be producing some sort of artifact so that people can know like, hey, I have my report. I know I'm good. So it sounds like if you're focusing on those things, um, you definitely have a, a great formula. So we'll, we'll, we'll all stay tuned for, you know, what's on that roadmap and, and what's coming next. Uh, I'll, I'll be looking forward to hearing more. 
Yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a very exciting second half of the year for us. Um, and in going into 2021, we we really are are hoping uh, that we can get what what we believe is going to be a, a real. Uh, it's going to be a, a a standard bearer for for the growers and processors out there. Um, it, it's it's a very time consuming process of what we're what, what we're undergoing. Um, but we've got a lot of optimism with it. And again, it's really just a matter of trying to put all the pieces together, come out with something that's going to make an immediate impact on, on operators. And I want to stress that what we're trying to do on that side of the world with, with growers and, and processors is not just going to pertain to uh, states that use metric and, and operations in those states. It's actually going to be designed to, to handle the hemp industry as well, which is one of the more time-consuming elements to all this. Because if you think about it, there's a whole different set of regulations and a whole different set of workflows that are going to need to occur with the hemp with the hemp industry as opposed to what we have with the marijuana side. Yeah, yeah without a doubt on hemp. Well, looking ahead, Brian, I mean, you've shared some, some really, both you and Scott have shared, you know, some good, great insights as to what's next for the Bright Map team. Um, but I wanted to, you know, kind of pivot the conversation a little bit towards, you know, some of your, your marketing, your sales and marketing efforts, um, you know, specifically as it is, you guys utilize the cannabis media platform. Um, you know, how has cannabis media helped you guys to, to further uh, connect with the license holders and the operators? Well, uh, a shameless plug for cannabis media here. <laughs> we signed up it. with, we signed we up love with it. cannabis media about two years ago and um, it is, it is something that we have, we, we work in every day. Um, we are, are, are quite, um, we, we want to stay up on, on the, the latest and greatest, right? Not only the regulatory news, but business news. Um, so we constantly are using this as really an extension of our, our, our CRM, our internal CRM platform. And, and it's, it's turned out to be very, a very useful tool because as we get ourselves into some of these marketing campaigns, and if we want to be very specific about the particular verticals that we're going to go after, um, and, and in the particular states, you know, we have that ability to drill down on it. Uh, I think one of the more interesting things is when I'm talking to some potential investors in our company, and everybody wants to ask, well, well what's the addressable market? Uh, well, let me tell you what the addressable market is. And I say, how much time do you have? And then usually what I try to do is to pull them on some type of a call, uh, where they can see my screen and I pull up cannabis media and I go look if you want to know how many how many different entities are within the US and Canada and we can just go through all these different filtering parameters they're like wow okay I get it now I uh, okay so this is a almost I don't want to say infinite but it feels sure you know it, it sure feels close to that right um, and I think a lot of our efforts are going to be tied to being targeted around some of these campaigns that we want to go after. I mean, obviously with, with Scout, uh, we feel like there's a ton of value for the growers in particular. Um, we, have an, we have full visibility in, in, by using your platform uh, at Canvas Media to, to be able to go after some of those, uh, those particular operations. So um, I think as we evolve as a company, one of the things that we're really gonna be focused on is content marketing. Um, you know, we, we really enjoy, Scott and I really enjoy uh, doing interviews with folks because, look, I can sit here and talk all day, but really the guy that's a part of this podcast who has over 10 years of experience 
in the industry from a regulatory side who could, I'm sure, write a book about each of how these states went, went into metric. We have some real knowledgeable folks um, that I'm just, I'm really happy to be a part of. And I'm there as kind of the, you know, I guess you could call me the Pied Piper of my company, but, you know, from a, from a, a knowledge, from a knowledge, uh, wealth of knowledge, Scott's the guy. So I think we want to take some of that, market it to people, have people understand that we're not just a software company that's trying to make their way in the cannabis industry, but we actually know what we're talking about because we have the experience and all we have, to, all they have to do is look at, look at Scott's bio. Yep. No, that's a great point. Uh, absolutely. Ha having subject matter expertise is, is so important when it comes to compliance and making sure that you keep your customers, you know, out of harm's way and help make them successful. So sort of pivoting over to, to Scott, you know, once again, looking ahead, I'm curious what kind of trends you're seeing as you perhaps look at the data that you get and, you know, what may uh, be coming from, you know, the COVID crisis as well. Well, I think, you know, first going back to Kevin's uh, media is the, one of the key aspects with us in that it's that forecasting aspect, right? Because you guys provide us with a, a level of data that helps us decide, you know, which states we're going to go to, which states we want to attack and, and put a presence in. I mean, there's always that, hey, you know, everybody in Louisville, Louisiana, because, you know, from a software perspective, because it's five companies, right? And it's LSU, Rome, number one. But, you know, those are the easy things. When you get into, should we go after Ohio or Michigan? Um, what is our, you know, what does our product do? What do we need to change or alter to be in that state? I mean, your your the data that we glean from what you're doing um, is is very helpful from a product development standpoint as well. I know I just wanted to jump in there because Brian's comments on uh, sales is, and and marketing is important, but there's also a lot of value when you're trying to develop a product roadmap about who you're going after, right? So forecasting is always critical. So I just wanted to, to throw that out there. Um, so it's it's. You know, it's very important to us that we move along and we have that access to that data and then we're developing products that make sense. Well, great. And, you know, I'll be curious to see, you know, how those other trends develop that will impact the industry really for all of us, because it's curious to see how some of the um, future cannabis programs have gotten a bit derailed where they're not able to get signatures. So they may not be able to bring new um, new states on board. So we'll have to see how that progresses and, and what impact that's going to have on future is, uh, market growth. Is, uh, yeah, you know, one forward. of the things I wanted to talk about real quickly is, is if, if we're talking about, you know, adjusting to market conditions, you know, we're really excited and pretty proud of the fact that a lot of our dispensaries, once, once um, some stay at home orders were given and a lot of our business is focused in the state of Maryland, which is where we're headquartered. Um, when, when the stay-at-home order was given by our governor, it was literally within 24 hours where our business needed to really uh, quickly pivot to something that in our world has almost been, a, it's almost been like an afterthought, which is our online uh, ordering portal and our e-commerce platform, right? And it went from being something where we had a point of sale system and we showed everybody all these great things that we have. And at the end of this talk that we would have with them, if it was a new prospect, we'd say to them, hey, and oh, by the way, we have this online ordering 
portal over here and 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 you know we can work through it and you can integrate it to your point of sale system and and people kind of nod their head and go oh, that's great yeah that's great and and uh, you know well, we have WeMaps and Leafly and, and and Jane okay great but what it did for us it put us squarely in a conversation where we weren't just looked at anymore as the point of sale system within the four walls of the dispensary we had to make some changes to our workflow within our software and make some very rapid enhancements on the online ordering and, and e-commerce piece to give our, our dispensary clients an ability to not only transact business outside of their four walls, their normal four walls, but in some cases we have one dispensary that is doing 100% now of their transactions through drive-through. We have other dispensaries that are doing just curbside, and we have others that are doing a mixture of, of curbside and delivery. And all of those things that go into our software need to have relevance to those new, newly changed workflows. So we were able to do that. We've been able to help our customers with it. We've even incorporated an integrated electronic payment option. So some of the drivers that are doing door-to-door -door deliveries are actually walking up to the door and making that transaction for that patient with, with a debit card that's cellular-based. Um, huge value to people, right? When they don't have access to the cash and they don't wanna go out. So these are things that we've tried to do in what, three, three months or less uh, to, to continue to drive the value of our platform. And it's evident because everyone is involved, giving us great feedback about how we can continuously improve the product. Well, that's a great that's a great story, and it, you made me think of something when you said relevant. And I, I would say that you know relevant really only gets you so far. It sounds like you've really reached a much higher threshold of being indispensable. You know, relevant is sort of like customer satisfaction as opposed to customer delight. But really, sounds like you hit the ball out of the park for your clients because they were able to stay in business and continue. And you know, as you said, some of them at a hundred percent. So congratulations, that's a great, great story, and 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 really kudos to the team for pulling that off so quickly. Thank you. Yeah, it's it feels good, and and uh, you know, you're right. It, we we do want to be an indispensable partner to these customers. Um, it's one of the things that. I think we as a company are focused on more than anything, which is the customer, the customer experience, right? And the customer experience has got to come not only from the from how a, a dispensary customer, the person who's coming in and buying product, how they interact with that team uh, that's at the dispensary, but how we treat the dispensary and what we can do to help improve their business. And so that's one of the things that as we kind of evolve into the future, it's really a, a big it's a big priority of, of, of mine as well as Scott's to make sure that we uphold that sort of, of, of flexibility for our customers, the, the willingness to listen, the willingness to be flexible with, with, with them and to do whatever it takes to try to help them improve it in, in their experiences. So um, it's, it's tough to do. I mean, I, you know, I think the biggest trick here is, is how do you scale that? How do you scale that to not just uh, you know, a dozen clients, but when you start to get bigger, how do you do that with 500 to 1,000 clients? 
Well, thankfully, uh, learning how to pivot quickly, evolve to new workflows and, you know, establishing flexibility within your teams are, are things that are nothing new to the cannabis industry. And it sounds like you, uh, Brian and, and Scott and the rest of the Bright Map team are, are doing a, a fantastic job at, at not only providing for your, your customers, but also to uh, adjusting to this new world that we live in. Um, you guys, I've, I love doing shows like this where, you know, we have, uh, you know, such a passionate thought leaders on with us. Uh, Brian, Scott, you know, thank you so much for, for your time and your commentary. I feel like I've learned a lot um, and I know Ed's enjoyed speaking with you both. So um, thank you so much for joining. We hopefully look forward to seeing you guys uh, after quarantine or at the next virtual trade show. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Ed. Yes. Thank you. Well, Ed, as I mentioned, I learned a lot today, uh, but I wanted to check in one last time and see if there's anything else I have to look forward to, to learning over the next week from the Data Vault. Absolutely. There's still lots going on in the hemp space. So just this week, we've gotten some new data in from Tennessee, Kentucky, and Illinois, which could be up to 17,000 records. But we're digging through that. We think in a lot of cases, it's one license with many uh, facilities or plots. So we want to make sure that if uh, when we do put the information in, it doesn't create a, uh, a huge spike in, in licenses. But it still is a lot of new grow licenses coming from these farm states. So not a surprise there. And then one thing that we've started to dig into is some of the unique data that the regulators have been able to share with us on the hemp side. So um, what we're seeing more of is what kind of seed these farmers uh, say they're gonna use or what the hemp will be used for in terms of uh, you know different uses for fiber or food, et cetera. And then for one state, they actually shared whether the property is owned or leased. So we thought those are kind of interesting anecdotes that, uh, that that's kind of buried in the data and we're going to see if we can't uh, make that more available so that our customers can get a, a clearer picture of what these licenses and our cultivators are focusing on. Well, it's like they say, the devil's in the details, and it seems like the cannabis media team is on top of it in finding all of these details that will truly be helpful to us as we continue our sales and marketing prospecting uh, for these hemp license holders. Well, thanks for the update, Ed. This has been the Canacurio podcast powered by Cannabis Media. We're your hosts, Amanda Guerrero and Ed Keating. Thanks for joining us today, and stay tuned for more updates from the Data Vault. Thanks for listening to the Canacurio podcast by Cannabis Media. Stay up to date with the latest episodes of the podcast and get alerts on the latest licensing activity in the United States and Canada, as well as exclusive industry insights by signing up for the Cannabis Media licensing newsletter at cannabis.media newsletter.